Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Today I want to talk to you uh, about future leaders. As we continue in our series, uh, so that all may hear, I want to talk to you about future leaders in the next generation. And what I would say is this, is that in this world, we need more young leaders who will stand up and point those around them to Jesus. Am I right? We need more young leaders who are going to step up and, and point others around them to Jesus. And it's our job. It's our job to develop and equip those leaders. And we say it around here a lot. We say that we'll risk everything for the next generation. And that's what I believe what it looks like is developing and equipping a generation to lead. Not, not someday, not in the future, now. It starts now. And that's what we're going to talk about as we look into this. Now, I, I believe that the key for, for us as the church to develop leaders in this way and, and to see uh, effectively raise up future leaders within the church is, is found really in the behind the scenes of Mount Everest. Now, I don't know how much you know about Mount Everest, uh, but Mount Everest is the largest mountain in the world. It straddles the border between Tibet and Nepal, and the summit of Mount Everest is 29,035 feet. So, I don't, uh, it, it's 29,000 feet above sea level. And the oxygen at that point, it, it's, it's one third what we would experience at sea level. And if you're like me, I don't really, I don't have any perception of how, how high that truly is. So I went to Google. And um, if you'd like to know, we in, in Coralville right now, all of us that are here, are at 682 feet above sea level, okay? Uh, everybody out in Wilton is uh, 679 feet above sea level. And then my people up in Cedar Rapids, you guys? You guys are 810 feet above sea level. You guys, are, you, you guys are the city on a hill, shining bright for the whole city, right? Um, and it's, uh, it, I just kind of just threw that in there, right? That was, that was just a Jairus, like, this, that was between us, right? Um, that's pretty high. When I think about it now in context, I'm like, well, 29,000 feet above sea level is pretty high. And uh, 800 people will attempt to climb and summit Mount Everest each year. These people come from all over the world, and there's a lot of reasons and why people will, will climb Mount Everest. And really, one of the big ones is there's few experiences like it in the world. There's very few things that you could do that, that as you climb Mount Everest that it, it challenges you like you've never known. It teaches you things like you've never known. I mean, take Adrian Ballinger, okay? Adrian Ballinger is a climber, and he's a CEO of, uh, of Appling Glow Expeditions. Now, he's climbed Mount Everest seven times. And the last one he did, he did without supplemental oxygen as he got towards the, towards the peak. Uh, and and the, he met his wife on one of those expeditions, and he writes to entrepreneur.com the lessons that he learned in his most recent climb. And this is what he says. He says in this article, don't let your ego sabotage your success. He says, surround yourself with a team that you trust. And three, don't ignore warning signs. And as I read that, I'm just like, man, that is, that is really good. And man, I can, I can think of so many ways that this applies to my life of, of not letting my ego get, sabotage my success and, and surrounding myself with people. And I hear those, I'm like, man, that is so good. It's so cool to hear the lessons from somebody's experience on Mount Everest. Uh, and honestly, at this point, I don't think I really need to climb Mount Everest anymore. <laughs> I think that I've generally, I, generally I think I've got the gist of what it's like. You know, if, if you're currently planning a trip to Mount Everest, I think we should probably grab coffee or something because I have some tips for you, right? You, you, you don't want to let your ego get the best of you on the mountain. Uh, but you know who knows those lessons a whole lot better than I do? Adrian Ballinger. 
<laughs> he knows them a whole lot better than I do because he experienced them. You know who, who has a TED Talk about these experiences and 106,000 views? Adrian Ballinger. You know who's standing up here and talking about a documentary that I watched? Me. <laughs> and so the difference is, is this, is that experience speaks louder than words. Our experiences cement things in our mind that just reading them can't do. And I wanted to ask you today, I want you to think back to, to when you were young. Think back to growing up. Maybe if you're young in this room, think back to what you're experiencing right now. And what are the moments that have been the most impactful and defining for you in your life? What are the moments that you look back on and, and that, that define you as a person? The moments you had growing up. I mean, think back to the victories and, de and defeats of sports and, and competitions. Think, uh, think about when you were starting high school or, or trying to decide what you were going to do after high school. Uh, think about loss, uh, heartbreak, maybe your first heartbreak, uh, your, your parents' divorce. Think about the adventures that, that you went on, the experiences that you had, the things that you did with your family or with friends, the moments that define us. And for me, what I think about when I look back is I think about moving in the eighth grade. I was in the eighth grade, I, I, I moved. My whole family moved to, to a small town. Uh, when I remember being at youth camp as a, as a high schooler. And being, when I was at youth camp, I remember uh, having this moment where I knew that I, I was dating this girl, but, but I knew that it, it, it wasn't a fit anymore. I, I just remember that very, very vividly. I remember going on my first missions trip. Uh, I remember the night that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I feel like God pulled me, pulled me aside in, in a room where I was a youth leader, and God just said, hey, I, I and broke my heart for, for those that were lost and disconnected. You see, experiences speak louder than words. That, and if we want to see future leaders have experiences that define their lives and, and point them to Jesus. Future leaders like Quincy that had a moment that, that changed his life, that then catapulted him into speaking and sharing that with those around him. Then if we want them to experience that, then this is what we have to do. We have to help the next generation experience Jesus for themselves. If that's what we want to see, we have to help the next generation experience Jesus for themselves. That we have to tell them our stories. We have to tell them the stories of the Bible. We've got to ask God every day, God, help me to raise my kids well. We have to teach the next generation how to pray and how to talk to God. We, but we can't just tell them. It's so much bigger that we also, we have to help them to experience it for themselves. There's this passage in, in Psalm 78 um, where we see a reminder to the people of Israel. It's a reminder to, to not forget don't forget what God has done. Don't forget the miracles that he's done up to this point. Don't forget how our ancestors turned their back on God after he did something amazing and, and how poorly that went for them. Learn from the mistakes of the past is what he's saying. He's saying that God is good, we're not, so we need God. Uh, and he draws our attention specifically to the next generation. So if you got your Bible, Psalm chapter 78, verses four through seven, and this is what it says. It says, we will not hide these truths from our children, but we will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and his power and his mighty wonders. And it goes on to say, for he issues his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So you gotta catch this. This is so important that the, the rules, the instruction, the guidance are so important. We need those in our life. I, I have a four, an almost four-year-old son, and that boy needs guidance. He needs some guardrails. He needs some boundaries because otherwise he makes terrible decisions. And honestly, we're not that far away. 
without, our, without guidance, without direction, we tend to make the same terrible decisions. And I love the way James talks about it in James chapter one. He says that look into the, look into the perfect law and it'll set you free. It'll set you free. If you grew up like I did, you probably have a, a few legalism wounds from the church. You grew up hearing rules. You grew up hearing exactly what you should and should not do. And, and what it did is it, it led you to striving. And it took me years to see my relationship with God as something other than just doing, following rules that were good for me. That was, the, that, that was what I had to work through. But I love what he says in verse 7. This is what the psalmist says in verse 7. He says, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Check this out. Each generation should set its hope anew. If you're reading in another translation, a lot of them will say um, should, should put their trust in God. Not just like generally, but they should put their specific hope and trust in God. It's not just about uh, following traditions or, or going through the motions, but we should, we should foster fascination rather than familiarity. We should spark wonder and curiosity about what the Bible has to say about exactly what we're experiencing right now, because it's just as relevant as it's ever been. But maybe let me explain it this way. So when I was a sophomore in high school, um, my dad went on this kick where he, he thought that we should be taking fish oil, okay? This is a true story. My dad was like, hey, we should be taking fish oil. And so he told me that, uh, that I needed to take fish oil every day because it was good for my, my heart or my brain or something like that. And, uh, and that someday I would be really glad that I've been taking fish oil for all these years. So uh, what I did is each morning as I would open up the freezer, okay, this is, I, I, don't, I, I truly don't understand any of this, okay? I would open up the freezer and there's a bottle of fish oil in the freezer, which I would then take out of fish oil and drink it with a protein shake, okay? This was my, my sophomore and high school routine. And... Um, I don't take fish oil anymore, okay? I, I don't know when, it was somewhere in that, that was the last time I took fish oil because I still don't know what it does for you, okay? And I think this is what I've realized. I think sometimes what happens is we present the life-changing message of Jesus like it's frozen fish oil, right? Some of you parents in the room, you may under, understand this very well. Some of you, you, as you try and bring your kids to church, you feel, the, you, you feel as if you're offering them frozen fish oil by the way that they respond to you. And they're like, oh, I don't want that. And you're like, no, it's good for you. And you're like, yeah, but I don't want that. And uh, dad, why do you make me take the frozen fish oil? <laughs> That's how I felt. But I think that it, we don't mean to, but sometimes it does feel like we're, we're, we're pitching frozen fish oil. We're saying, hey, this is gonna be really good for you. This is gonna be, someday you'll be so glad that, that, you, that you valued these things, that you did these things, and we forget that there is this life-changing message of Jesus right here, right now. I love the way he says it. He says, they should set their hope anew in God, not forgetting his glorious miracles. The psalmist is casting vision that this is so much bigger than, don't just think about it as God did something back then and that was pretty cool. But I mean, these are glorious miracles parting the Red Sea, providing food in the middle of the desert. He goes through all of it in this chapter and lays it out. And I know the thing is, is that honestly, it's, it's hard. It's hard to find something that works, that sparks curiosity, that sparks all these things. You can do everything you can and just hope that your kids are catching some of it. But over the years, I have had the opportunity to see so many light bulb moments. 
I've just seen so many moments where, where a student experiences Jesus for, them, for, the, for their first time or, or in a new way. And I've seen as, as, they, as it clicks, they maybe just understand something that they hadn't understood something before. And I can see a visible difference. You can see the effects of it. I can think back to the moments where sitting in a, in a, in a small group with junior high boys and you're just like praying that they remember one thing you said all night, right? And, and then what happens is that you just say, one of them goes, oh, so you're saying it's like this. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You actually, you actually understand the concept and it affects change. So how do we do this? How do we help students experience Jesus for, for themselves? Well, I think that what's helpful is for, for me to look back to Mount Everest, okay? So let's look back to Mount Everest and kind of think about that. There's some really good insight from, from the behind the scenes. And one of the things you have to understand about climbing Mount Everest is that you don't climb Mount Everest without a Sherpa. Now, uh, show me the Sherpas on, yeah, right here, climbing on the mountain. These are, these are I'm not talking about the, the fuzzy, warm coat, okay? I'm not talking about your Sherpa jacket. I'm talking about the people, the, the Sherpas, the people that live in the mountains that are guiding you on your trip. You see, I, 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 there's several pictures here. I want to show you the next one. This is a, this guy's climbing up this portion of the mountain, and you've got the climber right here who's, who's doing this, and then the Sherpa right here who's guiding him. And what the Sherpa's actually doing in this picture is he's actually teaching him how to do this, teaching him how, how to work the stuff so he can keep going up the mountain, teaching him new skills along the way so that the climber can keep climbing. The next picture I have is, is of the Sherpas in their tent the night before they're going to take off from, from the next camp. And what they're doing in this moment is they're giving out responsibilities. They're saying, hey, you're in charge of, of of carrying the, the climber's gear. You're in charge of going out and making sure all the ropes and the ladders are secure on the course that we've prepared for them. You're, you're responsible for, for checking in and making sure that, that, they're, that they're doing well, that they, if they need supplemental oxygen or what, and they're carrying these things with them. They've got the supplemental oxygen on their backs. They've got the, the extra stuff on their backs. And I think that they make it possible for climbers to have this experience. And I wanna draw this comparison for you today. That I think that, it, that the Sherpa is the perfect picture of our role in developing the next generation. You see, we want them to experience Jesus for themselves. We want, them, we want to invite them on a journey to climb this mountain of a life of faith, which feels like the largest mountain in the world at times. And, on, and, and we want them to experience the power of prayer. We want them to experience the solid ground that a life, uh, a life lived on the, base of, on the teachings of Jesus offers. We want them to understand identity and purpose, and our job is to be the Sherpa. Now, the comparison that I would draw in this is, is a tour guide, a tour guide versus a Sherpa. That a tour guide, uh, let's say you, you wanted to go and you wanted to tour, tour London. So what you would do is you would pay for a ticket on a bus, and you would sit there on the bus as the tour guide points out things along the way. It says, this is good, you should check out that, this is the history behind that, and all this stuff, as, whereas a Sherpa, climbs the mountain with you and gives you the experience and just helps you uh, to do, have that experience. And a lot of times I think what we do as, as a tour guide is we say this, hey, these are all the lessons that I have learned in my life of faith. And you should understand and apply these to your life. And they're so good. I, I, I saw this for years in preaching to students that as I preach to students, I'm, I'm just tour guiding them through the Bible and tour guiding them through my life when what they need is they need an experience that's gonna change their life forever. They have to experience it for themselves. To climb the mountain with them, to chart the course, check in on them, make sure they're doing all right, carry some weight so that they can climb. 
So practically, what does this look like? How are we going to help the next generation experience Jesus for, him, for themselves? If you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write these things down. The first thing that I would say when it comes to, giving, to helping them experience Jesus for themselves is to give experiences. Give them experiences. Give the gift of experiences like youth camps and, and conferences and missions trips and, and send people to send them so they can experience something different. In Luke chapter 5, uh, we see the, the, the story where Jesus calls Peter. And when Jesus calls Peter, uh, do, do you know what made Peter drop everything? He drops everything and goes and he follows Jesus. You see, Jesus walks up to him and, he's, and, and he asks Peter if he can teach from his boat. And as he's teaching from his boat, he finishes and then says, hey, hey Peter, why don't you throw your nets back into, into, the, into the water? It says this in Luke chapter 5 verse 4. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, which is Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Now, if you know the story, Peter essentially lo- looks at Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, I don't, I don't have any beef with you, but... But the thing is, is that I have been fishing all night long. That at this point, I, I, I have to pay my bills, and I've been fishing all night long, and there's nothing here. And, and Jesus gives him what I would call a power pause, right? He's Jesus. He didn't have to say anything else, so he just, he just looks at him, and he pauses. And Peter says, all right, all right, I'll do it. So he goes, and he throws his nets out in, into the water, and he looks back to Jesus as if to say, I told you that there's no fish in here. And Jesus looks back as if to say, I told you to just throw your nets into the water. And the nets fill up with fish. And it's, it says, it's so full of fish, they have to call for help. And they're asking other people to come in. And they're pulling the nets. And they pull it up to where they fill two boats full of fish. And this moment changes Peter's life forever. You see, Peter grew up knowing the rules. He grew up knowing, but an experience with Jesus was different. Because Jesus didn't just give him a list of reasons why he was the son of God. He gave him an experience that showed him. Experiences are so powerful because this is what I think happens. I think experiences lead to heart transformation as opposed to just behavior modification. That when your heart catches something, your behavior follows it. And so often when we overemphasize rules, we're just trying to focus on change your behavior, change your behavior, change your behavior, do better. And that's what we hear is we should do better. But what happens is when you experience it for yourself, it does something deep in your heart and your behavior follows. Jesus invites each of us to experience him right here in our everyday lives. But there's something significant about when you break out of the norm. I have a, these are the things I think that we should, we should invest in, in, in the next generation with. I believe that we should send, uh, send the next generation to camps and to conferences. I, I had my life changed at camp, and I cannot tell you how many times I have gone to a camp as a leader and sat down the first night with, with, with a group of boys and said, hey, what do you guys hope to get out of camp this week? And so many of them say, hey, my mom just made me come. <laughs> like, I cannot tell you how many times that happens. My mom made me, just, my mom made me come to this. I'm just kind of here. And then by, I'm, I'm just like, oh, you, you better buckle up, buttercup, because this is going to get good. And by, week, by night three or, or night four, you can just see how they are, they, they've connected with, with other people. You can see how they've experienced Jesus for themselves. We, we've taken kids to, to conference in Des Moines for, for years. 
And it was a 24-hour conference. I'm not kidding you when I say it was 24 hours from the time we left to the time we got back. And, and I, it is a logistical nightmare to go to a conference, and then you go to an after party, and then you try and get kids to settle down in a hotel for like six hours, and then you wake them back up, and they don't wake up very well without little sleep, and then you say, all right, we're going to go back to service, and then we're going to go home. And I remember just thinking, like, this is, this is only slightly better than a church lock-in, okay? Only slightly better. And I cannot tell you what I've seen and what I've heard on the van ride home from a conference. I can't tell you how the difference between students on the way to a conference and on the way home from a conference. And then you're hearing stories about this girl feels that she's like, she's called to, to be a missionary someday. And you're like, you know what? It's all worth it. Just going out of the norm gives it opportunity for experience. Missions trips, we should send, we should send so many of our students in the next generation on missions trips. That um, there, are, there are few experiences like it, but We've seen students give thousands of dollars to missions over the last several years. Thousands of dollars. Students, single students giving over $1,000 to missions in a year because they, they were invested in what was going on. But do you know what sparks that to a, to a completely different level? Not just saying, hey, you want to give to a need, but you go and you experience missions for yourself. If we're sending our students to, to India and to, to El Salvador and to Africa to let them experience it for themselves, meet people for themselves, those experiences will shape and change them forever and they'll experience Jesus in a brand new way. We should be, we, we should be finding ways to let them serve in things like Servolution in our serve teams to pray over the next generation. Pray for them in your prayer time, but to take a minute and to pray over a future leader. I can't tell you how impactful somebody praying over my life has been to teach, teach them how to understand God's word for themselves. We have to give them experiences. The second thing that I want to say is that we need to empower them to lead. We need to empower the next generation to lead. More and more, I see that, that leadership is the new discipleship. Leadership is, an, is, is, a, is a way to, discipleship, uh, to, to disciple people in a way that we've never seen before. In Acts chapter 16, um, we see Paul calling Timothy to come and join him on his missionary journeys. Now, if you don't know, Paul had his very own radical experience with, with Jesus. This very radical experience where he experienced Jesus uh, for himself, and it, and it changed what he was doing. And then he went all over telling everybody about Jesus, and, and, and he meets Timothy along the way. It says he came to this town called Lystra, and he hears about a young man named Timothy, and it says that Timothy was well thought of by the people there. So Paul seeks him out, and he asks him to join him on his journeys. And on those journeys, Paul taught Timothy everything that he knows. He, he, he did life with him. He, he took him on journeys. He took him, it was essentially, he's taking him on mission trips. And then what happens is he let him loose. He sends him. We see that, that Timothy was sent to Thessalonica. He was, he was sent to Corinth, to Philippi, to El, El, Ephesus. And while he was there in Ephesus, being a leader in the church, because Paul has equipped him and empowered him to do that, we see Paul writes First uh, and Second Timothy to him to encourage him. There's this verse in, in, in First Timothy that is very popular when we talk about the next generation, when we talk about future leaders. It's First Timothy 4.12, and this is what it says. I didn't get that one? You win some, you lose some. 
You guys just, just follow. <laughs> it says this, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, but be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith, and your purity. And this is a verse that we love. We champion the next generation with this verse saying, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but you live it out anyways. And it's, and that, I, I've heard that, and that, that verse has spoken so much life into me now, but guess, you, you know who that meant even more to back then? It was Timothy. Because Paul walked with Timothy. Paul taught Timothy. Paul released Timothy and said, hey, you're empowered to lead here. And then he writes in a letter, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but you live it out. You understand that, I have, that God has called you and he's placed you here, so don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, but live it out. And, and you see a young leader that's encouraged by somebody because they invested in him and empowered him to lead. And this hits so home for me because, I mean, I, I have been that young leader. I have been the young leader that, that somebody spoke words of life and encouragement like that to. That just last month, I had a, a mentor and a friend of mine, like a true friend that he was there, he, he, was, he was our pastor and, and a leader in our life when he was there at our wedding. He taught me everything I know about leadership and, and sparked so much of, of my hunger and desire to go after God. And he sends me this text and I wanna read it to you uh, today. He sent me this last month. He said, I'm finishing up a message and I looked at some notes on my computer. He said, I realized that there was no way that I came up with the content. It was too good and relevant. I believe the notes are from you when you preached in youth. Honored to have been part of your life. And the weight that that text has in my life, because you know what? We sat there and we talked about it together. We talked about messages. We talked about life. We talked about marriage. And then he speaks this life and encouragement into me saying that, man, I'm, I, I'm still benefiting from, from something that you did. And I... I can't tell you what that text is on this week when I'm sitting and, I, and I'm writing things down to, to share to you. And I, as I'm writing them, I, I'm second guessing everything I put down on paper. And I'm like, I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know, I don't know if, if this is, is this relevant? Do people want to hear this? And, 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 I, and I hear that and I remember the words of life and encouragement that were spoken into me. Because he walked with me. I mean, Abby and I are, are pastoring our Cedar Rapids campus. We're, we're, we're up there every single week, and, and I'm 26 years old. And the thing about it is, is that we have a, I have a church, and I have leaders, and I have pastors who have believed in me. I have pastors who, Rich, who has, who has looked at me, and, and, he's, and he's asked me if I would consider leading at, 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 a, at a different role and in different things and empowered me to, to do it and to lead it. And what happens with that is that the experiences from this last year have shaped and molded me like I've never known. I never could have guessed or understood how planting a church in a pandemic would shape and change me. I don't think any of us could have imagined and, and known how this last year would shape us and change us. But there's people who have empowered and I, wanted, I asked you earlier, I asked you what experiences in your life, what experiences growing up were the most impactful and defining for you? And now I want to ask you, what would it look like if you had someone else walking with you through those experiences? If you could go back to your younger self 
and speak life and speak encouragement in that journey and in that process, what would you say? I've said this for a long time that I think the biggest difference in the life of a student is multiple adults who believe in them outside of their parents. So what if we sought out future leaders and we gave them an opportunity to lead? What if we gave them those experiences? What if we gave them that? I love the picture of the Sherpa because I think that what it does is it helps me in my mind to understand what my role to play in, in all of this is. That my role is to not tour guide, my role is not to just tell, but my role is to walk up the mountain with some future leaders, to teach them a new skill, to teach them something new along the way, to help them process what they're going through and what's going on around them. And I think that's what our job is, is as the church, is to invest and develop and equip and empower them. Because listen, students, you gotta know this, that I have never seen creativity like I've seen in this next generation. I'm telling you, I have never seen things as creative as what you see on TikTok, okay? It's wild. I have never seen multitasking like some of you game, okay? I've never seen anything like it. And God is, God is, he's, he wants to use the next generation to affect change. Leaders like Quincy, to, who gets an opportunity to speak out in a time of need, says, I don't think I can say anything other than just Jesus is the answer. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna chart the course. We're gonna check in on them. We're gonna carry weight for them. Because we have to help the next generation experience Jesus for themselves. That's our role. We have to help them to experience it for themselves. Can we stand all across this room and, and Cedar Rapids? As we close, um, I wanted to, to encourage you with this. The, you know, the, the age-old question of when's the best time to plant an apple tree? Well, 25 years ago is the best time. <laughs> but the next best time is today. A lot of times we can look at and we, and we can hear this and we can say, you know, I, I, I really want to, be, I, I want to be doing this. I want to make a difference. But I think that this is what it means to say that we will risk everything for the next generation. This is what it means to invest in experiences, to send students to camp. When we talk about kingdom builders, okay, we talk about, we talk about our, our, our kind of the, the big three of this. We're talking about global missions. We're talking about, about local church expansion. We're talking about future leaders. And in 2021, we're, we're, we're talking about giving $75,000 investing into the next generation. Over the years, you have done at least this that you have, you have sent students to the camp. You've, you've been investing in how can we send students on trips. And it's, the first thing I would say is that we have an opportunity to, to invest in things that, that we, we can never know the seeds that are being planted in that. You can never know the effects of that. But we also have a chance and an opportunity to do it right here and right now. We have an opportunity to, to empower them to lead, to walk with them, to, what happened for me as a leader asked me if, if, if I would meet him at McDonald's at 722 and read the Bible with him. <laughs> and I didn't know why he said 722, but I showed up at 726, right? <laughs> Just to play it, play it safe. <laughs> and I met every single Tuesday for a long time, 
reading the Bible, learning how to read it and, and apply it to my life. We have an opportunity to invest in the, in the next generation. And I think the first step is to say, God, would you use me? God, would you use me? Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much uh, for your word. God, I thank you that, that you, you believed in us as we were young, that you have such a heart and a belief for the next generation. So God, I just pray that you would simply, you would spark something in us. Draw, draw our attention to, think, to things that we haven't been thinking about in a long time. Call us back to, to places of, Lord, that you, you've put us in positions and opportunities to do this. You put us in positions and opportunities to, to empower young leaders, to hire young leaders, to teach trade skills to young leaders. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't miss opportunities, but God, that as we value what you value in the next generation, God, that you would use this in powerful ways. Use this in powerful ways to maybe step behind the scenes so that they can climb the mountain, so that they can have the experience, so they can talk about what they experienced as they experienced you for the first time. Lord, I pray that as, as we take steps of obedience to value and invest in the next generation, God, that you would multiply it. Lord, I pray right now for, for future leaders sitting here, for watching this. Lord, I pray that you would begin to speak dreams, speak things into their future, into what's coming up. God, that you have purposes and plans for them, that you speak identity and purpose. And Lord, I pray that we would be a part of that. God, that we wouldn't miss what you're doing, but Lord, that we would be used by you. We'd be used by you to make a difference, to help them to experience it for themselves. Lord, go with us. Lord, lead us and direct us and give us opportunities and God, we'll say yes. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.